Up next on episode 56 of Stack Overflow, Joel and Jeff sit down with Jason Kalkanis to discuss the business side of software, including Mahalo's skee-ball economy, when VC funding is appropriate, and whether search engine optimization matters from IT Conversations. Hi, this is Phil Windley. Today I'm excited to bring you another great program from Stack Overflow with Joel Spolsky and Jeff Atwood here on IT Conversations. The Conversations Network is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we need your help. For a tax-deductible donation of as little as $5 per month, you can support this channel and the rest of the Conversations Network. So please visit conversationsnetwork.org to become a member and help us continue to bring our programs to the world for free. Our audio files are delivered by Limelight Networks, the high-performance content delivery network for digital media. And now, here's Stack Overflow. Audacity. It's pretty dope. I, yeah, at one point I decided that I was taking this seriously enough that I needed to... Um, Educate yourself on audio? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I was going to get whatever, what is Cool Edit now called? Um, they got a new name for it. Uh, audition. Hmm. Adobe Audition. So I'm like, I'm going to learn how to do this or Pro Tools or something like yeah. that. And it's just too complicated. It just blew my mind with all the... I think Feature. it's the 10,000 hour rule. Like it's it's going to take thousands of hours for you to become proficient at it. Yep. And you and, might not have that much time in your life. And somehow like Audacity, I was able to just, you know, it's just like cutting and pasting little sound things. and Yeah, it's pretty cool. And it's fine. I did my first podcast on my own with that. With Audacity? Yeah, it worked pretty well. You could level things and right, right. You cut could. and paste, clip things. Yeah. Are you guys, are you, wait, are you guys both in New York? Yeah. Yeah, we're in the same office. Oh, okay. Oh, well, that's not fair. We're hanging out together. <laughs> yeah. You guys are like buddies. That's great. So, Jason, you're here for New York Internet Week. I am here for Interweb Week. What do they? What do they do? What? Is, what is that? Uh, Internet Week is uh, basically a marketing campaign to get people psyched about the internet in New York City and the companies here. I guess. I mean, we used to have all the Silicon yeah. Alley Reporter events and stuff like that. Yeah, you used to be Mister New York Silicon Alley. Uh, yeah, uh, a lot of people credit me with the term Silicon Alley, which is not true, but. Uh, <laughs> Whose, whose term was it, really? Uh, you know, I did a LexisNexis search back in the day, and I found somebody had used it to describe, like, Boston or Philadelphia or something like that. And yeah, then, we don't have alleys in New York. That's the mm, one thing about Manhattan that Manhattan does not have. Not really, no. We're, yeah. we're, we have, like, weird curvy streets down in Chinatown. Right. But not... No, like, there's no alleys. Not really alleys. One or, once in a while in Tribeca, but... That's uh, you can always tell the fake movie that was filmed in Vancouver that pretends to be filmed in New York. Like The Dark Knight or something. Yeah, yeah is that they're always going down alleys, which don't really exist. No. Um, thanks for having me. I'm a, I'm a f- huge fan of Stack Overflow, um, even though I'm no longer a developer. And when I was a developer, I was quite horrible. <laughs> well, that's, that's exactly what Stack Overflow is for. <laughs> I, I mean, I was... <laughs> you would fit right in, Jason. I was more like a database admin network architect. I used to be a Novell certified engineer. Wow. Oh, nice. Uh, I used to also install Banyan Vines. Token ring, and I used to crimp RG. There's, you know, there, are, there are technologies that are completely gone. <laughs> token ring is gone. <laughs> Thank token God. ring, banyan vines. Do you remember token ring? Like the big, I mean, huge black plug. It looked like something out of like uh, aliens or something. You'd plug into the back. I mean, only plug IBM it into the back could of your make neck. it. <laughs> it looked like a Borg type thing. It was. Yep. Where are those connectors now? Like, gosh. Oh, yeah. And so I installed the first Novell network at Amnesty International. That was like my first gig here in Manhattan. Uh huh. Crimp the cables. Were you like working as an independent consultant or something, or did well, you? Well, uh... when I, 
I, I grew up in Brooklyn, right, right. right across the street here. And when I went to school at Fordham, uh, my parents were broke, so there's no way to pay for school. So I got a job in the computer lab because I had an IBM PC Junior when I was a kid, and I was a little hacker script kitty with a 300 baud Ventel modem. Mm-hmm. And I used to be a you know co-sysop on a on a bulletin board where we used to trade you know hack software and whatever, right, right. and phone codes and sprint codes and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Not. I would I would not say I was a hacker. I think I was a you know a kid on BBSs learning how to do stupid things. Uh, but then when I came to Manhattan, I was a psychology major at Fordham here in the city, and I needed a way to pay for school. So they were like, "Oh, go work in the computer lab." So I went down there for two dollars and fifty cents an hour. Is that I, legal? <laughs> that was the minimum wage in nineteen ninety eight, actually. It, really? And the minimum wage went up to three fifty, I think. Or it was wow. like a huge day when that happened. Um, and uh, I got fired from that job. What did you do? <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm just thinking about it now. There's this woman, Esther, who ran the computer lab. And so we got some computers with hard drives in them. And uh, I partitioned the hard drive. Oh, and so you I a hit secret it. partition. Yes, yeah, so I made a secret partition yeah. to put my games on and my files because I don't want to yeah, run around with a college. bunch of five and a quarter inch floppies. Come on. didn't everybody? Doesn't everybody do that at school? Right. So uh, well, I also put a keyboard locker on her computer. But anyway, uh, <laughs> the keyboard locker is probably not a good idea. <laughs> But I, I, that was a very bad idea. But she didn't find out about that. Esther, if you're listening, I, you know. We'll find her. We'll find keyboard her. Keyboard logger at Fordham <laughs> University. Um, but anyway, somebody told on me. So she fired me. Hmm. And then this guy, Tristan, who ran the computer lab at the MBA program, was looking for somebody. And he found out I got fired for partitioning the hard drive. And, and he needed some hard drives partitions. He didn't, exactly. <laughs> he didn't know how to partition a hard drive. So he, he, somebody sent me up there and said, hey, um, he, we heard you know how to partition hard drives. And I said, yeah. And he said, great. Uh, you want a job? And I said, sure. He says, well, it's only six fifty an hour. And I was like, <laughs> I'll take it. And so then I spent a couple of years at Fordham essentially um, copying software illegally for MBA students. Right. So they'd be like, I need a copy of SPSS, you know, the statistics software, and can yeah. you make a copy of these 20 floppies for me? I was like, yeah, 50 bucks, boom. So I was running all kinds of scams out of the computer. But um, I, I I worked for a company called Barrister here. I worked for uh, Amnesty International full-time. Mm-hmm. I basically was, you know, a, a network architect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I wound up working for a company called Land Systems, putting in 400 node uh, legal systems and document management systems like PC Docs and... You know, those were sort of pre-PC generation. Yeah, you, you basically document management was a big deal, and so version control wasn't built into word processors. So there was well this add-on software. So it was mm-hmm. um, it was pretty horrible. I was like under desks crimping RG58 cables that like somebody would kick it and then it would come out. But anyway, and then I then I started Silicon Reporter magazine at night, just yeah. to just to write about the internet because I was so fascinated by it. Right, right, and that's when it all happened. And that was 1995-96, and then it grew into a 300-page magazine. It had 70 employees. Wow. I still have somewhere. I should go find you Well, we you met guys. back in those days at Ninma or something. Could be. I, 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 uh, I still have this issue that was like the top 100 Silicon Alley companies or something. That was the... That was the, like your last issue. <laughs> well, if it had the Hindenburg on it, that was the last issue. And the, the one everybody remembers was the one where we did Everybody Has Sgt. Pepper's, uh, the cover of the Sgt. Pepper's oh, album. Cool. We photoshopped it. But. I should go dig that out of the library and see how many of those companies are still around. Uh, yeah, there's like 10, you know, like iVillage and DoubleClick, and some of them still right, exist. Right. Uh, most of them don't. But, you know, that was a crazy period. Um but yeah, cool. So, uh, uh, Jeff, what's uh, what's new in the in the Stack Overflow uh, server fault? That we got to follow the format, even though we have an illustrious guest. 
illustrious. This is our policy We'd, when we have guests on. We don't want to just turn this into an interview show because there's a million places yeah. where, where people interview Jason Calacanis. We're just sure. going we're gonna to do our right. own boring shtick and just. <laughs> like, we, we know you'll come well, congratulations up with on the on the second um, on the second. Uh, well, whatever it is, Q and A system. Oh, oh knowledge uh, exchange. Yeah. Server server fault. Yes, the yeah. second. Uh, yeah, that's true. We don't have a name for this thing. Knowledge exchange. Knowledge exchange. That's what they call it in Korea. You know, this all started Q and A services in Korea at really? a site called Naver, and another one called Hatina in Japan. Huh. And Yahoo Answers copied that, like literally photocopied it. You're kidding. So I spent a lot of time in Japan. And so Korea. Yahoo Answers is really the first mass market in the United States. One. In the states, but in Korea and Japan, huh. these other services, uh, Daum, D A U M dot net. Yeah, I they know all them. started it and. They bought Lycos, which they is did. sort of weird. Uh, bizarre. <laughs> uh, but those two companies have 70 and 20% market share in Korea. Right. Google has like three. Right. And it's because people, the primary way to get information is through knowledge exchange, not search. Interesting. Because I, I actually, um, ah, did you hear that, Jeff? Korea, knowledge exchange, not search? I did. Yeah, Jeff. I we, had a, we had a debate a few few months ago about um, uh I, I guess I guess my point was, you know, we're a startup, we're bootstrapped, we're, we can't just like hire some guy to go do a Chinese version and a Korean version and a Japanese version yeah. of Stack Overflow. And so what's going to happen, and is already happening, is some Chinese programmer is going to make a complete clone of the site down to the logo. Uh, they do that pretty well in China. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> in fact, <clears throat> you probably just go to Guangzhou or something, you go down to the factory district, you find a factory, and you're like, make a clone of this website. Actually, the Germans do it better than anybody. Right. Yeah, the Germans are notorious. They copied Facebook, Dig. So, There's a uh, thing called Plague, I think. No, Plague is the open source one. This, some in Germany, they copied Dig like the week it came out. In Germany, they probably copied it, though, without like literally copying the CSS and stuff. Like They probably have some basic sense that copyright violations are... Mm, yeah. Well, no. anyway, but the trouble yeah. is that those, in, like, until and there's so many examples where those local ones then become hugely popular. Yep. And like later, when we do have time to hire somebody to, to go, go to China and compete with them, you either have to buy them or compete with them. And For, if you compete with them, you probably lose because they're more yeah. native and they're more ingrained. And I think what you should do is what Facebook did. They had their users translate the product. It was one of the most successful and innovative things Facebook. So they did. basically just exposed a translation. Uh, they basically said interface. The, yeah. A, a translation interface was like here. You know, this says vote. You know, what? How do you say vote in all these other languages? And then they just filled it in themselves. And so mm -hmm. as time went on, and you could put it all into the same domain name. Uh, but it's a pain in the ass to buy all these domain names. Like, do you own Stack Overflow dot de D, dot yeah. KR? You're not going to. So. You probably don't have to. I mean, you, you can don't just have Stack Overflow. Yeah. yeah. Slash. Well, wait, 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 wait. Does Mahalo even have localized versions? Not yet. We wanted to hit 10 million, 15 million uniques before we did that. Uh-huh. See? Yeah. See, they're, they're not doing it either, Joel. No. That's true. It's, you know, it's a lot of work. We did do it with Engadget and Joystick and Autoblog. Um, and that was slightly easier because it was just a blog. Mm -hmm. So we hired people for... Just like we did in the United States, ten bucks a blog post, twelve bucks a blog post, and said, "Copy stuff." Uh, and Engadget was in five languages, but the real. But they were linking to stuff. Those are blogs, so they're linking, and they're linking yeah. to stuff that's in English. Yeah. Well, no, I mean Engadget was writing reviews and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I mean the, the inter really interesting part was we had in uh, Japan. There's a place called Akihabara, which is mm -hmm. the like gadget complex. So we would right. have mm -hmm. reporters go to Akihabara. Gadgets, comic books, and anime, uh, weird and... blow-up dolls. Oh, man. It is trippy. I mean, <laughs> they have made cafes there where they serve you. Oh, master. Right. Like, cosplay kind of girls like serving you like, oh, here's your tea and your cake. And <laughs> you're just like, this is weird. It's like, it's not sexual. 
Yeah. But it's wildly deviant. Right, right. It's all the deviance <laughs> it's without any of the sexuality. <laughs> it's deviant. That's great. It's very, <laughs> That's very... possibly the best description I've ever heard of that. Yeah. <laughs> but, the, but the interesting thing was that was our advantage over Gizmodo and a lot of other places was the secret sauce was that we had reporters in Taiwan, uh, in um, Shenzhen, in Akihabara sending us information. And then we put it into English and be like, hey, here's these spy shots. It was like, yeah, spy shots from Japan. Right, from a store where they're selling it right next to or the subway station. One of the most popular yeah. features ever on Engadget was keeping it real fake. Uh-huh. Uh, where we would oh, just... Oh, right. I remember that. Just, they literally would be like, keeping it real fake. You know, iPod Shuffle clones. Because when the iPod Shuffle came out, the little chiclet size one or whatever, like a matchbook size one, there were like 50 clones of it. You know, in these different places. Anyway, but knowledge exchange is um, the big way they do it over there. And Naver is blocking. They no indexed their knowledge base from Google. Mm-hmm. So this is, you know, you talk about how to beat Google and people are like, oh, Rupert Murdoch and all these guys are stupid. Like they don't understand. Right. If all the newspaper companies no indexed and Google results came up with no news. Yeah. Or like 10 newspapers did it. Google would be seriously screwed. Yeah. Uh, and that's so what they're they doing inspire. in Korea. Like, right. you can't spider the, the knowledge exchange. Wasn't they, didn't they try to do that in Belgium, too, or something? Or It will work. Something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really devalues. If, if the New York Times wasn't in Google and the top 10 newspapers in this country, it the, would seriously devalue Google. And if Yahoo and, right. you know, say, Microsoft with their new search engine did, you know, give them some sort of payment for indexing them, mm-hmm. that would be a game changer. I know it sounds anti-internet, anti-competitive, but that's what they're doing in Korea. But the newspapers would have to all trust each other and act as a consortium and all. I mean, they'd also let somebody break ranks and then the whole thing would be screwed. Exactly. And they would also have to be embracing the future as opposed to scared of it. And that's, you know, their businesses are based on preserving revenue streams that are destined to decline. It's amazing how rapidly the, the newspaper thing has come on. I mean, I, I think everybody, you know, in technology sort of saw that coming. They're like, okay, Craigslist is cannibalizing all your income really badly. Um, you're not really getting the whole internet thing with, with a rare few exceptions. It was just a matter of time before, you know, you had to go pay the piper. It, it would and be as if... All of a sudden now, yeah. right? I, I think they... It would be like if I told you, like, by the way, there's a tsunami that's going to hit this beach in seven years, eight years, <laughs> and you're like... Yeah, okay. okay. And then you just like, you kept going to that beach and you camped out there and you built a house there. It's like, it's f-ing coming, guys. Like, I don't know if I can curse on this. You just lost your iTunes rating. Um, I, I don't know if you have one. Um, it was like, yeah, like, we're just going to wait here on the beach to get hit by the tsunami. I mean, they built like an $18 trillion building in Manhattan. Like, mm-hmm. why not spend like $100 million building 10 blog properties? It is sort of interesting that they don't even. But the weird thing is, it's not necessarily like the trouble is the New York Times looks at the web and they think, you know, how can I do a New York Times like thing on yeah, the web? Right. And actually, what's going to probably work on the web is not New York Timesy. So it's sites like Mahalo and Stack Overflow, right? It's, it's their DNA is different. Yeah, you know, they can't they can't conceive of like Stack Overflow, just like they right. can't conceive of Dig or right, right. blogs. It's just not in their DNA. Right. They then, just they, started blogging. Yeah, and even and the trouble is, it's 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 just sort of embarrassing <laughs> yeah. to watch them try to do it. Anyway, I don't want to talk about that descent of journalism. <laughs> All right, well, back to uh, yes, <laughs> Stack yes. Overflow. So enough about me. What do you think about Stack Overflow, Jason? <laughs> I'm actually uh, a huge fan of what you guys are doing. I'll, I'll tell you. Can I tell you my favorite parts of yeah, the site? Sure. Um, I think the thing that you guys have done best is the badges. Uh-huh. Um, I'm a big Call of Duty fan. I don't know if you guys uh, ever played yeah, this. Well, that's what that was the first game that I played on Xbox 360. Yeah, 
And that's so like that's the only game Joel has ever played. You picked the one game. Uh, yeah, I played Half Life and uh, and uh, Halo and Command Duke and Nukem. Conquer, Command Age of Empires. Yeah, yeah, we played all the same games. I like real time strategy better than the first person shooter. I think it's like more like chess. But anyway, but you... yeah, the badges were just going by as I was playing Call of Duty. I wasn't even noticing them. Right. But I do know that people collect incessantly. Yeah. And I just, you know, what I remember is like my days back in the Israeli army where you would get like little tiny badges for various campaigns, right. campaign ribbons. Right. And it was, occasionally some guy would walk by and you'd be like, what's that cool purple thing that he has? Yeah. On his heart. I want that. <laughs> He's like, you get this if you dress up like a woman at a fruit market and then kill 90 year old Nazis. Exactly. <laughs> like, what was that, Munich? <laughs> yeah. And then and go sometimes get they the- just can't tell you. Yeah. Or uh, like I remember there were these guys, I was in the paratroopers and we had these little wing thingies, but you got under different rules, you got to put a different color background behind your wings. Oh, sweet. So like I had Fuchsia. blue, but some people had green and some people had black. And if you were an instructor, you got red. It was insane. Pink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you get no, pink. badges are cool. And I was just, I'm writing an article for my email newsletter about the badge. I was just writing some things I've learned about community building. Uh-huh. And I, I'm, I mentioned the badges you guys have. And I'm, yeah. we're, we're absolutely stealing that very soon. Yeah, uh, well, soon we, we stole it ourselves. In fact, we... Where we, did you take it from? Xbox. Oh, from Xbox, right. Yeah. So, um, but it's the first time I've seen anybody put it on the web. Has anybody put badges on the web before you? I, no, I haven't, I, I searched, I couldn't be. find a badge well, type system. Actually, doesn't, doesn't, maybe I'm misremembering this, but doesn't Yahoo Answers have like a sort of a weird little badges and award system that goes with their accounts? I don't think they have that. They have like how many questions? I don't know, maybe I'm thinking of like, well, Askville, it's like the same thing. Maybe Askville has it. But yours is like... The one I like the peer pressure one the best. It's like you you <laughs> ask a question and it sucks, right? And th- and then you take it down you yourself. Yourself, that's brilliant. I mean, it's, how right. did you how did you well, come up with those, Jeff? Well, a lot of them we came up with because we thought, okay, what in- behaviors do we actually want to encourage on the site? So every badge that's on there, actually, quite a bit of thought goes into creating most of those badges because we don't want to have perverse incentives where you create a badge just because you think it's going to be for fun, but. For the people using the site, it, it, it becomes very serious. Like they really get involved in this. This they get caught up in the, the race to get these things. Yeah. And they'll do things you necessarily wouldn't want them to do to get these badges. So you have to make sure that you're rewarding the right behaviors. Yeah, that's behaviors very complicated. That yeah. Make the site better. That make them look good. Make you look good. Et cetera, et cetera. So, whenever we put a badge together, I thought about you know what would make this person look good, make our site look good. Um, you know, increase the quality of the site, and those are the kinds of things we want to reward. Yeah, more than anything else. Uh, it's it's literally the best part of the site, and I think what's brilliant about it is like obviously, if you get it right, it's like one less thing you have to manage. You know, like if they're mm-hmm. deleting stuff, whatever. And and the sponsor one for Woot is that is Woot sponsoring that one? Yeah, that yeah. The, the, that is truly brilliant. Well, that'll go away. That'll become what's it going to be called after the visit like, for thirty it, days. It's like the loyalty enthusiast. Enthusiast. Yeah, that's why it's alphabetized no, leave it there. as Woot forever, <laughs> well, and it should be like Woot thirty, Woot ninety, Woot one hundred twenty. <laughs> you know, Woot launched on Engadget. Really? Yeah, they're good. Uh, they're good uh, avatar. They, they support. Uh, they know how to support the smart sites. Yeah, and you know what? They they support the sites that just go to that their programmers go to. Yeah, that's how they know what, I mean, uh, that's how they found very, us. Not dissimilar to Apple. Mm-hmm. When uh, we tried right. to get Apple to advertise in Silicon Eye Reporter, we went to their agency and we're like, what's it going to take? Like, you know, we sort them all these statistics of how many Apple people there were and designers in New York. And they're like, listen, Steve Jobs gives us a list. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was like what? <laughs> so like Steve Jobs picks what <laughs> magazines Apple advertises in. Right. 
And I was like, no, hey, he's got the time to do that. Isn't he making stuff? And that's all he does. And they're like, no, like <laughs> Utne Reader. Yeah. I'd be like, Utne Reader has Apple ads. It's uh-huh. got a circulation like half a Silicon Reporter. It's like this wonky thing. I'm like, right. You've got the back cover, the front very, cover. But it's the Steve Jobs Bible. Yeah. So he's like, whatever. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. I have, there's something we should talk about, Jason. This is what everybody wants to hear about. Oh, okay. we, we've been, I've been going around, you know, Google Answers closed. Yes. And I, th- Get the feeling that the Google Answers closed because the, the they tried to make a money economy where they paid you for your answers. Sure. Yeah. And the amount that they could pay you was so little. Yep. That everybody starts saying, "Am I willing to do this for a dollar for two dollars?" That's right. just sort of ridiculous. So, for example, I've spent hours writing some elaborate answers and testing source code that I post to Stack Overflow that seventeen right. people are ever going to see. Right. Uh, and why do you? But do if it? you told me how much would I take for that, I mean, I've I've literally turned down twenty thousand dollars speaking gigs right. that would have taken one hour. Sure, right. So this is the thing about incentives, right? Um, they're different for different people. There yeah. are multi- There is a multitude of reasons of why somebody does something. Right. And uh, perhaps I haven't done a great job of explaining why we have a currency in there and why we added it. So it's great to be here to talk about it. Um, I don't think that money is the primary driver. As a matter of fact, I was a psychology major, and I can tell you it's not. Uh, recognition and affiliation. Right, uh, right. And fun are actually the drivers of online communities. So so without uh, – I don't want to interrupt you too much, yeah. but I no, feel like what happens then is as soon as you add money, then that displaces the community and the or, – or it makes people think they're doing it for the money. Correct. That is it, it sort that of is a pushes risk. away some of the it, – it, it, as soon as you pay somebody a dollar to do something, there's right. no way they can tell themselves that they're doing it out of the love of their heart and the dollar Correct. is Correct. It's like that cheese. study like, here, play Call of Duty. You'll love it. I pay you a dollar per hour. You're like, this is a drag. I'm only right. getting a dollar. Right. Right. <laughs> Um, I, they I did that study with Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that's how you got yourself to stop playing. <laughs> uh, so I, I call this the skee-ball economy, and it's a very delicate balance to, to on how to do this. Um, people play skee-ball. Uh, I don't, you guys know what that is, right? Mm-hmm. Skee-ball, you mm-hmm. throw the ball, then the thing, tickets come out. Of the machine, oh, okay. and they gotta, got it. Do you ever play that? No, but I believe you. You've played what? it? It's, You've never played skee-ball, Joel? What? Really? Skee-ball is when you go to like the Jersey Shore. Bro, or, okay, okay. And, and then they have like a row of like ramps with little holes, and right. you throw okay, the ball up, and then it lifts in the air, and if you get it in, and then you win tickets something come that out. looks like a plush animal, but is right. actually a toilet paper tube. Something. Surrounded yeah. by But anyway, we used to play <laughs> skee-ball for a, a long time, and you know, you'd throw it up, the, you throw the balls up there, you get points. It was fun to play skee-ball. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves skee-ball. And you would get tickets that would come out, and then ding, 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 you take the tickets, and then right. either you would cash them in that night, or that summer, or that week, or that month, to get a Frisbee or something. It, you weren't doing it f- for the for the tickets, you were doing it for the fun of it. Right. But then there was this like little fun thing you did afterwards, which was cash in the items. And that's what's called the token economy in psychology. Right. Um, it's, it's taking... Uh, it's a light driver of behavior. Uh, and if you look at Mahalo Answers, we get a lot of people who come... Because they're like, oh, there's a token economy here. Uh, I can make money, and they're like, oh, you make can't really make you can't really make a lot of money. Right. But if you look at it compared to Yahoo Answers, where you can make none, it's this nice little incentive. Mm-hmm. And so, what actually happened was most of the people don't use the money. Um, they don't cash out. Like ten people cash out a month, fifteen people, and they take out a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars. There's twenty five people who have. Uh, Mahalo Answers started a Kiva group called Mahalo Answers Kiva, and you can Google it, and they've donated $900 to it. Mm-hmm. So it actually becomes a sort of secondary driver, but you are correct. There is a risk that, oh, my God, they're going to perceive it as the primary driver. Right. So we uh, have – I mean, that's why we have just pure points, yeah. and you get points, and you can feel proud about earning them. What you've got is an expert economy. The people yeah. who participate in Stack Overflow or open source, for that matter, are – I think their primary motivation is to show off 
Mm-hmm. I'm good at this. Look at me, uh, mm-hmm. which is a big part of developer culture. Uh, and um, to get more jobs. Like, I mean, if you're yeah. one of the top users in the PHP category or the, you know, now if you're the top guy in the, you know, um, memcache or whatever, right. you know, uh, or Nginx, like I'm looking for an Nginx guy for Mahalo. I look on your server uh, Stack Overflow and I'm going to be like, wow, there's a guy who's answered 17 questions about Nginx. Yep. I want to hire him. Yep. So what you're doing is actually... You're going to pay us. Uh, well, or maybe, or it's just like, yeah. you know, like when when we had Hadoop issues at Mahalo, we went to the right. Hadoop mailing list. We looked at the people who had the most intelligent comments sure. and we brought them in and we paid them 300 bucks an hour to do a, like a Hadoop class at Mahalo for everybody. Mm-hmm. So... The, they're, they're just changing the. That's the expertise economy. Where you're changing, exchanging your expertise in the system, your rank in the system for money later. Mm-hmm. You're changing, exchanging the fact that you own the system with fame for fog to get people to use your software. Right. Uh, and it's also become a business. But um, you know, in the podcast, right? You don't make money from the podcast, but it brings people nope. in and makes fact, them more uh, passionate about Stack Overflow. Yeah. So you know, you can you can sort of trade the incentives. But I, I'm I'm not. I don't look at the world uh, through just money as a driver. I think money is a driver in some cases, like in blogging. We paid people to blog. We were the first right. people to do that. We had 500, 600 people freelancing getting paid to well, blog. Well, also on the Netscape.com right. degree design, well, you paid people to. That's a whole other fiasco, <laughs> um, which we can get into. But uh, on the, it's a, it's a very interesting topic to me because I do think there – I'm not so much into – Sort of creating the financial system for the for the to, to sort of get something out of people. It's more. I like to take work that was previously undercompensated or not compensated and make it into a career. Mm-hmm. So blogging. I'm very proud of the fact that we were the company Weblogs Inc. that made blogging into a career. People weren't getting paid and blogging about Apple. And we said, oh, blog on Tua, right. the, the unofficial Apple weblog, and we'll pay you ten dollars a post. And they were like, you're an idiot. I'm doing this for free. Yeah. And we're like, well, let us be idiots because we're making money and we want to share it with you. And those people wound up becoming full-time bloggers, making fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year. Yeah, I think before you started, there was, I mean, like Jason Kotke had decided to take a year off yeah. and try to see if he could have a go at it. And then, of course, yeah. the problem is trying to find uh, if you, if you're all on your own as a sponsor, trying to get sponsors lined up and stuff like that is very hard. That's why we had tricky. a. Yeah. That's why Weblogs Inc. worked. We had this huge group of people. Uh, building the sites, and then we handled infrastructure, ad sales, distribution, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's not my primary thing. People didn't blog on Engadget because they're the money. In fact, a lot of them would quit jobs where they made more money. The the second editor uh, at uh, the managing editor, Ryan Block at Engadget, left a job where he was making close to six figures as a server admin mm. to become a blogger on Engadget and took a fifty percent pay cut. But he loved it more, and as we increased his compensation. He spent more time doing it. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when you increase compensation in these systems, it just allows people to do it more, which was what I was trying to do at Netscape, but I only could work on that th- at, for three months. But we offered, I think, the top 25 people on Dig $1,000 a month to right. be like community managers. Yeah. We weren't saying – you. Well, and it wasn't just to submit. It was to lead discussions. It was to remove spam, take everything they learned at Dig and put it over there. Of the 25 we offered, 23 of them took it. But I've never – see, the, the reason I thought that was a little bit weird is because what you were paying people to do I, – I, I, I hate to say this, but it's a little bit like paying for sex, which is like, right. I've never had any trouble getting people to do that for <laughs> right. free. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, so. I, I get it. I understand that point, perspective. Um, I, it, I, it seems like you're, you're applying money at the one point where most people just don't really actually have a problem getting people to contribute to community sites, if the except, community site is interesting. I've, yes. I, I, I may have made a mistake there, um, but I thought as an experiment – 
having them involved, submitting, you know, and, and teaching people how to use Netscape. And Netscape mm-hmm. actually was, you know, the only traffic to Netscape were people who didn't know how to change the default on their, their homepage browser. that they'd had for years. That's it. And yeah. so it was trailing way down, and right, right. it got down to like three and a half million uniques. When we launched Netscape, the page views like quadrupled, and it mm-hmm. went from 3.5 uniques to five. Mm-hmm. So it actually worked. People were really into voting up, and we had all these Republicans talking. I mean... 300, 400 comments. It would it would have worked if they had just stuck with it, mm-hmm. which they didn't. Um, but we basically hired those people as community managers, not really so much to submit the stuff. Not to submit. Yeah. Uh, and that worked brilliantly. Um, and a lot of them still did it for a long time. And my idea was to put a level of journalism on top of Dig. Because when I would talk to Kevin, I'd be like, you, know, you have mm-hmm. these wrong stories on here and you have people posting... PR stories. You see PR stories all the time on, yeah, yeah, yeah. on the front page. So I was like, what D- if Dig you... and Reddit too. There's, there's, there's actually, there's, there's weird stuff that goes on there that they just don't control. Uh, we knew... Even when they think they are. The, the, the 25 people who we had offered the money to, a lot of them told us they were getting paid 500 bucks, 200 bucks to submit stories right. and to vote them up. So there was, sure. a, there was a massive underground economy My, my favorite thing is that the, the uh, anti... Whatever, the anti-Israeli... Palestinian groups always come out on Friday afternoon and start posting because they want to hit when the Orthodox Jews are not using their computers for Shabbat. So, ah, the old Shabbat. So that gives them a little bit of a, <laughs> a slight, slight advantage in, in, uh, in voting up the stories that they want to put up. And so every Saturday morning, there's the same on, on Reddit, there's the same ridiculous anti-Israel stories that they have every week on Saturday my, morning. My, vi- my vision was take the top, take, take the top 20 stories a day on Dig, mm-hmm. and then put a journalist on each one mm-hmm. and have them write a like follow-up story. investigate. Exactly. Yeah. And I still think that's a brilliant idea, and I wish I could have executed on it, but imagine if the New York Times... They do it oh, anyway. It's called the local news. They're always like the third story on the local news is always, I hey, there's a hamster dance on the internet. Exactly. Well, now that's tr- actually, it's pretty funny, actually. There, it's like every time I watch local news, it's like, wait, I saw yeah. that yesterday. You know, yeah, like yeah. some junior producers like on Dig or YouTube's like most popular. Just fo- following up the story that they'd, they'd already done. Or, or, you know, the Today Show is doing but, some internet meme three days later. But what if you actually had like a real journalist say, you know what, this story about, I don't know, you know, uh, you know, iPhone you know, image this iPhone leak, mm-hmm. you know, images or something like that. And they actually called three people and said, right. is it true at Apple? And they got like, officially Apple says no comment. We talked to two developers we know. They mm-hmm. say this is, this is correct. Like that would be a very cool service. And they actually added an editorial layer to dig uh, reluctantly, but because they had to, which was now it says this story is in dispute. Mm-hmm. So if enough people are like complaining about it, they put a little flag at the top. About some story being just ridiculously. Yeah, like you know, like Joel's a child molester. You know, this story is in dispute. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Well, thanks. I'm I'm glad it's disputed <laughs> that I'm a child molester, but. <laughs> but that becomes the headline now. Joel, child molester? Question uh, mark. With the disputed. journalist. The journalist. Disputed. <laughs> disputed. Which saying disputed basically means some people do agree. <laughs> um, I got another question for yeah. you. So we did the money thing. Right. Uh, let's do the investment thing. What, do you th- what would you do? Let's say that but miraculously I were to just have a heart attack right here. Yeah. And you forged my will and now you're in charge of Stack Overflow. Well, we do CPR first. We try. You do what? C- CPR. <laughs> CPR I try to on save me. You. Thank you. <laughs> it wouldn't be pretty. What would you do to Stack Overflow? Would you raise money? Would you. Because uh, <laughs> you've definitely you've worked in the VC world. Yeah. I mean, because I, you were like, you're an entrepreneur in residence. Yep. I've, I've done three companies. The first one I put on my. I did by. Silicon Reporter, I put money on my credit cards. Right. So I self-funded on off revenues. The second one, Weblogs Inc., I self-funded, and we raised uh, two or $300,000 from Mark Cuban as a seed investor. Mm-hmm. And in the third company, I raised $20 million. Yeah. So I've done basically all three 
you know, you raise a lot, raise an angel, and raise nothing. And you were, it was at uh, Sequoia? You were in Sequoia? I was uh, EIR uh, at Sequoia. So you actually knew that you were going to take VC even before you had a company idea. Uh, yeah. I mean, I basically said to myself, if I'm going to do a search engine, human-powered search, and try to solve this problem, who's got the most experience? And there was one company, there was one venture capital firm that had done both Yahoo and Google. Mm-hmm. And I was Sequoia. Right. So, and they did YouTube, which is a major driver of search now. So I was like, these guys know what they're doing. They did LinkedIn. They did Atari, Cisco. You know, the fact that they did Atari. Well, they didn't do. They funded. Funded, yes. But, I, but that's what I mean by do. They didn't know. <laughs> I mean, VCs, people, it's the whole mystique about VCs. Like they're, they're, they, well, they like to think that they're starting these companies. In some cases. And some VCs, like uh, the VC I have on my board, Roloff Botha, yeah. was the CFO of PayPal. He did the YouTube investment. He knows... That he's a VC who places a bet, finds a great entrepreneur, right. and then helps them when they need help. Mm-hmm. And that's what a great VC does. But like some guy like Tim Draper, you know, like who I know, um, and I think he's a great guy, but, you know, you'd think that he's the CEO of the company. It's like he created Skype, you know, because he talk, he's like speaking on behalf of Skype all the time. Right. You know, a great VC like Fred Wilson here who did Twitter, he spoke yesterday and he's like, I can't speak for Twitter. I just made the investment. I was lucky enough to get in on it. Yep. Here's what they're saying. Let me amplify what they say. As mm-hmm. opposed to being like... You know, Tim Draper's like, you know, Skype sold too soon. They didn't listen to me. You know, it's just like, you know what? Shut up. You didn't <laughs> yeah. make it. You know, yeah. it wasn't your idea. Right. They're, they're right. banks. They're just like a bank. Yep. So for you guys, um, the reason to raise venture capital is um, you don't have the money to fund it yourself, right? It's it, it's costing too much. It's a capital intensive project. Well, that's not actually true. Stack Overflow? Well, I'm saying this is a possible reason. So oh, okay. the reasons why oh, people if, would raise... If, if that were the case. If yeah, it yeah. was the case. I don't. Yeah. It's not the case, right? It's like you guys have office and servers and developers. Okay, problem solved. Yeah. Uh, but if you didn't have those things, uh, two is you need to scale it, right? And you think there's a huge opportunity that cash would allow you to scale. Right. So you think that there's an opportunity to build 20 of these in 20 different tech verticals and you, you can't do it on your own, which I don't think is the case. Um, Another reason is you want to cash out and you don't want to run it anymore. So you sell it to a VC or they buy some of it. You take some money off the table. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you would need to do that. I'm assuming you have profitable ventures in your day jobs, which means you can do this passionately. Well, Stack Overflow has been paying for itself. And it's, yeah. I mean, it's got, it's got a little bit of advertising there. It's got a business model behind the scenes. Are we, hey, Jeff, can we talk about, are you going to have that thing up by the time the podcast goes live? That, the, that the business maybe, model? The, yeah. Yeah, we might. All right. So if you go to jobs.stackoff.com, then I'll give you a little hint. Oh, is that it? As to the business model. This may be. This, yeah, genius. Uh, it, it is live. Uh, it's not linked to from the homepage yet. So I can just, I'll Twitter it. that. Okay. <laughs> okay I'll put that out to 70,000 people on Twitter. Yeah, that's a brilliant idea. I mean, yeah. that's obviously how you do it. Um, I, can I say what that is? Yeah. It's a job board. Well, anybody, yeah. And, and Elance, fact, whatever. Is it, is it a project board or is it a job uh, board? Right now it's a job board. It's okay. going gonna, gonna to have other aspects to it. This right. is just the very, very, very Project beginning. board would be great. I mean, too. Yeah. Um, there's gigs, there's jobs, there's, there's, there's sell to recruiters, sell to em- employers, uh, and then there's sell to the well, what job you, seekers. You should only be able to direct message somebody in the system if you've contributed a lot right. or you pay like in-mail, like LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So LinkedIn makes a fortune. Like they charge $5 for you to in-mail somebody. Well, that means you're not a member of LinkedIn and you want to contact somebody. I'm not. You're not in my network, but I can contact them. So right. you can either do it by letting people post and pay, which is great. That's one way. But if... I see somebody who's like the PHP guy and I want to contact him. If it says email this person, it's $1. Right. Or email this person, it's $2. Yeah. Uh, that would be pretty dope. You yeah. know, like yeah. I would pay, I'm sure my guys would pay for that to just talk to them offline or something like that. My assumption is you could, you could come into Stack Overflow and say, I need a, a Hadoop expert. Yeah. Who is looking for a job and is willing to work in Los Angeles. 
and the, they can find those people. The, I mean, even the expert, ex, what ex, uh, the other site is doing. The other side, the site with a hyphen. The other site with a hyphen. Right? You, <laughs> really, we can say the name. It's not a problem. Well I'm done. Really so... you, you can always tell an amateur website when they put a hyphen in it. You know, <laughs> so it's not expert. When somebody change. When e- see, yeah, exactly. The, when everybody <laughs> they had to put the hyphen there. And ever anybody uh, hands me a business card and it's like iPhone dash, you know, <laughs> cases dash leather. I'm like, dot dot. Info. <laughs> that info. Yeah. Good for you. Okay. That's going to be a huge winner. <laughs> I mean, I think there should be a filter that if anybody submits a business plan with a dash in it to a VC, it just like automatically <laughs> goes to the shredder. This is, but this is, this is excellent, but you don't want to tell too many people this because this service is a wonderful filter of like what a legit looking business is, right? Uh, you is can sort of tell, am I, is the only method for paying PayPal? Right. Or do they have a merchant account? Right. Exactly. That's a fantastic um, dis- differentiator. The good news is you guys have. A really um, uh, niche audience that is uh, very highly compensated. You're gonna have no problem making a business out of this. Could be 50 different ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the advertisers, now that you're above two or three million people, um, when, my, my theory is when you get to 100 to 250 thousand people per day, mm-hmm. the advertisers just show up. Cool. And well, so they, they are starting to, yeah. And so you're, they're gonna trickle in now. When Engadget got to 500 thousand, 600 thousand people a day, mm-hmm. uh, that's when the phone started ringing off the hook. And so I always believe in on an advertising basis is I love when people just show up, you know, yeah. that's like the better because then they want it, you know, then you're just oh, yeah. taking orders. So I would create an automated system where on the homepage on the right hand column or, you know, whatever, there were just, you know, four or five boxes or whatever. And you can you can buy them for a flat rate. It's like this box is five thousand a month. You have to buy three months mm-hmm. and just put it up and just let people buy it. And it's like there's no discussion. Here's your put in your American Express card. And you sell four of those, you make twenty grand a month, make a quarter million dollars a year, you're done. That's it. I'm done with a quarter million dollars. Well, I mean, I mean basically, you well, yeah, well, don't no 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 don't say Tesla. He'll talk for twenty minutes about the Tesla. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you're following on Twitter. <laughs> so we just hit three hundred and twenty-two. It looks like we're about we're over three hundred thousand uh, unique today. Um, but the, the thing that I've always thought is weird is a very very finite audience for advertising developer tools, which is our yeah. natural audience. I mean, it doesn't support even one magazine anymore. There right. are no longer magazines for programmers. That's not where people get people don't get information from magazines. That's right. why the audience isn't there. But that doesn't mean the advertising dollars. Aren't uh, there. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if it. I, I, there, there's a little bit of it, but I think it's 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 kind of weak. I mean, the developer conferences are falling apart for lack of sponsors, and um, I, I, it's there. But is the, that because people is, don't pay for tools anymore? It's all free. They don't pay for tools or they, they, they have better ways of finding out about tools. Right. So what I'm trying to figure out is you want to advertise to programmers. Why can't you advertise them cars, plasma TVs, you know, the things that – Those big advertisers just want reach and you don't have it and you never will. So they, you But know, this is – let's say it's a highly compensated audience of programmers that – It's, the, it's too that. much trouble for them to go into those niche markets. It makes sense that they would. Yeah. It's just there's too much friction to go buy 25 sites, and that's what people like Federated Media and other people are supposed to be solving. But, but you they're know, probably for, not, right? But they're, they're it's yeah. hard. I mean, yeah. you basically they're looking at I could buy the Yahoo homepage for a million dollars, get all these people. I could buy Google, I could buy this, and I could buy all these keywords. It's just more efficient. So advertising right. is like water going down a hill. It's going to take the most efficient route, mm-hmm. and this is not the most efficient route for the plasma TV people, but it is the most efficient route for a server hosting company. Sure. So your server site, just on AdSense alone, is going to make a $10 effective CPM if you place the ads cleverly and, you know, Yeah, we have, I mean, we have keywords, obviously. So, yeah. uh, like, we know that we can put it, we can put something on a .NET question or something yeah. on a uh, Java question. Make a self-serve ad tool and you guys will make a fortune. Got that, Jeff? 
Well, we've, we thought about that, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little worried. We, we, have we, a, we only accept yeah. certain classes. We're, we're kind of strict about what we'll accept. Like, we believe in sort of what we call responsible advertising, which yeah. means we're going to leave money on the table, basically, because we don't want... Yeah, we don't want flashing aggravating ads. ads. We don't want animation. We don't want. We want things that are actually relevant, useful. It's yeah. kind of nice to have. You know how you talked about that editorial layer? Yeah. It's almost like you want an editorial layer for the ads. Yeah. I mean, like I can't even go to the TechCrunch page anymore because, like, I just get blasted in the face yeah. with just a bunch of crap. <laughs> That's a. Uh, you know. You know what though? You're like, I got to tell you, developers are very unique and that like they give a shit about this stuff. Yeah. Like, the rest of the world doesn't care. You know, yeah. like. But that's 90, our audience. That I know. Is our and that, so you have a unique issue there where – but yes. the, the truth so, is the people who – I mean, if you're a developer, you've got ad blocker. I mean, the, de- right. the percentage of developers – you have ad, do you guys have ad blocker on your machines? Mm, yeah, probably. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, if you ask developers, they're like, well, why, why, why would I see ads? I have dead blocker. Ha, ha, ha. That's Screen true. capture. Yeah, you know, yeah. like this is how it looks for me. Like, so you're that's saying that's only, the, that's only developers that do that? It's mainly developers and like 9-11 conspiracy theorists. <laughs> <laughs> which are very, you know, which are also pretty, oh, pretty highly It's not going to go well with our audience. It's, 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 we got to get Adam, speaking of 9-11 conspiracy theories, yeah. we got to get Adam Curry on the show. <laughs> I know. What's up with that? He's just doing that for ratings. No, I mean. He must be, right? Everybody knows. Uh, everybody yeah. knows developers are a unique bunch. They are offended by ads. They can remove them. They're very yeah. empowered. Yep. So you do make a good point that you need to have something that will appeal to them. Uh, and I think if they sponsor the site, Mm-hmm. They will get a halo effect the way Woot has. Right. So if you just say to like the server farm people, like, just put up a white paper and we'll link to your white paper. Mm-hmm. They'll pay, you mm-hmm. know. And you just put you could put five links along the side, even if it's not. I mean, I understand people don't like the flashing ads. Five text link ads, mm-hmm. and they each cost five thousand a month. And you type in, you know, here's the HTML for the link, and then here's like two sentences. You get three hundred characters. And I sort of wonder our, our own hosting. Uh, uh, who's our who's our host, Jeff? Our web host uh, or whatever data center thing? Uh, it's peak. But yeah, I want to make an observation. It's funny, sure. Jason. You, you brought up early on the anecdote that you were copying software for like fifty dollars. It's like that whole conversation of like how can you make money on the site was like it seemed like the same exact conversation you would have about copying software. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like it, it's all about the money. And I think this is one criticism of I actually. I lobbied for you to be on the podcast because I think you're you, you got some <laughs> unique insight. Joel was the one that was very against it for the record, but I will say this: not one true. criticism not I have. True. <laughs> not true. It's not true. Joel is like, is, but I didn't want to do a podcast with a non-programmer. Away. You're, the, you're the first like non-programmer we've had. Well, we've had but I'm a tech guy. I mean, I was a programmer is, at yeah. some point. <laughs> but this is this is this is the thing that makes you a non-programmer. It's like right. the, the you're good at the money stuff, but that becomes the focus, right? Which I think for developers. That's not really the focus. So we have to be careful yeah. when we build the site. Like we can't really take that tack because that's yeah, why you, I think developers sometimes react very negatively to you because I don't know. You know I got a like lot. I got a lot who work for me who love me. So, <laughs> uh, but yes, I mean, listen. Um, why people react negatively? There's a, there's a lot of reasons. So we, we can't. That would be a whole other podcast of why people don't like me. But um, I think you guys are probably not aggressive enough, and maybe I'm too too aggressive, and the truth lies in between. Yeah. Um, and so, there's no shame in making money. You guys are putting a lot of hard work into this. Your audience is not going to be upset about you well, making wait, money. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Clarify, because yeah. this is the same thing with Mahalo. It's yeah. like digital sharecropping at some level. It is truly digital sharecropping. Like we uh, are, on some level, exploiting the people that are putting information on the site. And I'm always very aware of that. Like I feel like. Um, you feel like they're doing a this you know, Digital sharecropping is a really like I'm sure that that that's like a really cool buzzword. But the truth is, like we weren't digital sharecropping the bloggers on Weblogs Inc. Mm-hmm. 
nor are we digitally sharecropping the people on Mahalo. Uh, we're providing compensation when nobody else did. So Blogger provided no compensation. Weblogs Inc. provided serious compensation. Mahalo yeah. is going to provide with Mahalo 2.0, which we're launching, which we basically split the revenue 50-50 with people. I think it's going to be a truly transformative site. It would be like if the Wikipedia gave half the revenue to the best editor or you guys gave oh, half the that revenue. That would be like Google Null, which has been hugely successful. Yeah, well, listen, I mean, uh, you can say what you want, but, you that know, Engadget, yeah. Autoblog, and Joystick were, you know, the number one in their categories and some of the largest sites on the web. And, you know, the, that company, Weblogs Inc., that I sold, uh, people say AOL overpaid, but AOL's making well over a million dollars a month from those things. And users love those sites. Really? And Steve Jobs reads it daily. How much did they pay? They paid twenty million for it. Uh, Are you allowed to say? I'm not allowed to say, but there were reports of twenty-five <laughs> to thirty. <laughs> there were reports of. Quote yes, unquote. that's great. Um, so you know, <laughs> so they have you, a good return on investment. If you peel back, if yeah. you peel back the, um, you know, sort of the digital sharecropping thing, we're compensating people who were previously not compensated. So that's like slavery versus some compensation, if you want right. to use the analogy. So I don't see it as digital sharecropping. If anything, you guys are giving no compensation. So you guys are in slavery and I'm in modest compensation. I mean, is that fair to call you guys slave drivers in Stack Overflow? No, that's experts exchange because you see what they did. Yeah. They, 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 they started with the same model as us where it's just like a big free open site. And then they locked and then everybody they locked out. locked everybody out. Yeah. And started charging for well, it. Well, that's kind of For nefarious. all this content that they had never really paid that's for. That's kind of nefarious. I, I believe, you know, people should be able to get some compensation for their contributions. Right. I don't see how that is digital sharecropping. Uh, I, I think people who like dig, who everybody does it for free or, you know, you guys, like that would sound more like digital sharecropping to me. Except that it's not, we don't, we don't, we're not even having that. I, I don't think we even look at it that way. We look at it as, um, you know, why are you at the site? It's voluntary. Yeah. It's because you're having fun or you're improving your skills or you're practicing your skills or right. it's just, it, you know what people used to pay. Remember like 20 years ago, people go into bars and there was a trivial pursuit, pursuit machine yep. and they would just shove quarters in there yep. for the opportunity to answer trivia questions. Right. And that was all you put in a quarter. It was fun. Like, a, C, B, yep. D. And, and, and it's fun to just be able to and say, hollow yeah. answers yeah. is no different. Yep. Except yep. maybe we pay people. So, I mean, the digital sharecropping thing, I don't know. I mean, how is it digital sharecropping? And how, how, is it, how are the sites any different? What is sharecropping again? Somebody, anyway. I think it just means that, like, we're taking advantage of people. Like, right. Um, and I don't, I, don't, I don't see it. Well, you know what? If you were to look at it in terms of bloggers, the, the yeah. difference between being a blogger on your own farm right. and being a blogger on, the, on, on Jason's plantation. Right. But uh, I, that, is that because where he because, gives you what he feels like giving you? And, so I made a lot of money selling. <laughs> yeah, but by the way, we don't have a gun to any of their heads. Of course, they can leave any time. Yep, and they own the rights to their words. And I designed the contract like that. Mm -hmm. Actually, AOL licenses for all time in digital the rights to people's words when they blog for them. Uh -huh. And we own a license on Mahalo Ants, but people own the their copyright and they can do yeah. anything they want with it. So we never claimed ownership of it. We don't have a gun to anybody's head to do this. So it, I would it, I would understand if it was digital sharecropping if there were a limited number of web pages allowed to be published on the internet every year <laughs> and I own ten percent of them. Right. And I, it was like you can only answer these questions on Mahalo Answers. That'll you know? probably happen soon. Actually. Well, that's not, not a bad business <laughs> idea. There'd be like a tax on web pages, yes. And I will. I mean, so nobody's got a gun to their head. Nobody's being forced to do something. I think the problem is for me. I'm kind of out there driving the Tesla, living the life, and I sold my company for a lot of money. So then everybody's like, oh, my God, he's sharecropping everybody. Right. What they don't realize is there were a whole <laughs> bunch of people who worked for Weblogs Inc. who became millionaires. Mm -hmm. And there were a whole bunch of people who had no jobs, were in school or transitioning jobs, who made incredible careers. Mm -hmm. 
And I think we'll do the same thing with Mahalo and, and you know, the, the 2.0 product we're going to launch tonight. Basically, we're instead of paying people 10, 20 bucks to build a page, mm-hmm. we're going to split the revenue with them. And I think the model would be the same as if you took the advertising revenue from a question right. in Stack Overflow and said, we're going to give you half the AdSense for having asked a good question that indexed well in Google and got us a lot of traffic. Right. And some of your question well, pages... So then probably we're cutting a made, lot of $1.36. Checks. No, because you could, you could have a minimum, but there are some questions. I'm sure the best question ever asked in Stack Overflow probably makes $100 a month in AdSense. Uh, it's actually kind of surprising. There are a couple of questions like that. Yeah. Right? Like the programmer cartoon ones that have gotten, but they haven't got... It's actually kind of surprising. That's not... We, well, we try not well, to wait, emphasize wait, wait. those super hot questions. Well, that's right. We don't emphasize the super hot questions because it's a long tail. One hundred forty thousand page views is the most any question has ever. So gotten. that makes but you, you know what's funny. Wait, wait, I have to interject here because Joel, you said what if, you know, every over. question was yeah. the programming life cartoon of the question. Life of the question. That is, isn't that Mahalo? Mahalo is like every question. <laughs> it's a cartoon. Should be the question. programming cartoon question. <laughs> we want to optimize for the most popular things, whatever that happens to be. Yeah. We we really have a, 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 a one of the one of the ways I used to explain Stack Overflow to people is it's the long tail Wikipedia for questions that are so long tail about a programming problem that only ten people the care Wikipedia about. would del- would delete it yeah because it's not interesting yeah and it's like it's it's like literally it's going to be useful for ten people are going to be in that corner of that piece of that Microsoft compiler and all ten of them are going to mm-hmm. have this problem and we just want to be able to bring those ten people together yeah. To, to to solve it together and yep. and uh, and you know t- that times a million is what this kind of site is. Now, Joel, one thing I want to interject yep. here, and actually this sure. goes back. You asked me way back when it got popped off the stack. But like, what's new with Stack Overflow? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Boy, we do have another today. domain name, superuser.com. Yeah. Which is going to be for the I, I call this the Stack Overflow trilogy. So awesome. you got your Star Wars, you got your Return, you know, you got your Empire Strikes Back, the best one, uh, which was Server Fault, and now you got your Return of the Jedi, where things get crazy because <laughs> now there's Ewoks. And that is superuser.com. Yeah, that's the novice. It's the place for questions that don't fit on Stack Overflow or Server Fault. That are just questions about computers, questions about uh, oh boy, um, yeah, general, general. How do I reboot my iPhone? Yeah, how do I uh, exactly? Yes. Well, if it evol- if it involves a computer, it's turn it upside down and that shake. I could think be, <laughs> that could be very popular. Like we could actually have pages on Superuser that got really, really popular. Oh yeah, because they would apply to anybody who has a computer. Yeah, like and how has do I problem? How do I get back to minimize my totally. desktop icon? I think what you guys are building is a modern day Ziff Davis. Wow. Be- because if you think Those about guys, IDG Zip or Ziff, billions. Yeah, I mean, I hate to tell you this, guys, but. You could get rich off this. I know that's hmm. I know that's hard for you guys to handle, but this could be a really viable business. Uh-huh. I know you guys. And then are... I'll hate myself. Exactly. I, why would I, want <laughs> I know you'll be driving a Tesla with your bulldogs, and you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna want to kill I'll yourself. Just, I'll just have to blog about how much I hate myself more. Exactly. Often. Exactly. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, if you can get each of these sites up to a couple of million people, and you have you know a half dozen, a dozen of them, which is quite possible, you'll have a twenty, thirty million unique network, right. and you'll be in the top two hundred networks or top 150 networks on Quantcast, and the enterprise value of this business would be quite significant. You want to want to buy some some shares? I would invest in Stack Overflow immediately. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Can I quote you on that? Uh, I will invest. <laughs> uh, I'll buy 10% right now for... <laughs> I would buy 10% of Stack Overflow for $100,000 right now on the spot. So a million dollars. Yeah, easily. Easily I would do that. That's um, a rip-off. <laughs> All right. I have the hundred. Tyler, wait, can you get the hundred thousand dollars out of the bag, please? Tyler's oh my got God, cash. He's got it in cash. We have cash. We brought cash today. No, I would. I would invest a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars in this. I think it's. I would. It's going to be a big business. Let me. Uh, I want to. I want to get uh, a little bit off, and I have a question that uh, um, oh. 
uh, hey, what's a good one? I didn't get such good questions this week. Darn it. Um, uh, okay, here, this is, a, this is we're, we're changing the topic. About 180 degrees, and I don't know how to segue to it. Hi, guys. This is Brian McKay in Tampa, and um, I recently read Dreaming in Code by Scott Rosenberg, and it's a good book. I like that it's about why software projects fail, and he brings up a lot of great ideas. And one of them is this this concept that software is a super, super hard profession, just a very difficult discipline. And he goes as far as to say that he thinks software and surgery are two of the most difficult things that a person can attempt to do. And I, I disagree with that, uh, although I've spoken to a lot of people that agree with it. And the general gist is that software at the highest levels, giant enterprise applications with millions of lines of code are very difficult things to deal with. And um, to me, I don't know, uh, I came up as a kid and then a teenager doing software, and now I had kind of a, a natural transition into doing this as a professional, and I'm working on reasonably large applications, certainly nothing in the millions of lines of code, but some decent-sized things. And it just it never seemed all that crushingly difficult to me. So I'm wondering what you guys think. Um, is software this super hard thing that everyone should be afraid of, or is it just a profession? Thanks. Keep up the great work. So, anybody want to weigh in on that? Well, surgery. There would be so many dead people if if, if I approached, surgery were hard. Yeah, oh, if, if you I, did if, surgery. If I was a surgeon and I did it the same way I did software, believe me, there'd be many, many like just an army of dead people out yeah, there. Yeah, compiling error is not so good in surgery. That's yeah. true. You know, the way we approach software is you just make lots and lots of mistakes and you fix them all. Yeah, and that doesn't work in surgery. <laughs> so immediately you have a hugely flawed analogy. In surgery, you don't make mistakes. Like you never. <laughs> mistakes willingly, but in software, I think you, you, it's all about making mistakes and just learning from those mistakes. And the, the learning part is the key part, right? And maybe that's the hard part. If you said something was hard, was that on some level, you have to like failure. And, and let me clarify that, is that you have to enjoy the problem-solving aspect of software, the puzzly aspect of it, where you just bang your head against this problem, and you try all these different things, and you're kind of like Edison with the light bulb. It's like, which filament is going to work? You know, is it going to be carbon? Is it going to be bamboo? You're just trying all these things. It's like 90% perspiration, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people just aren't cut out for that. Like, they... Ugh, I've met a lot of people that they just couldn't deal with the fact that you have to go down so many blind alleys and beat your head against the wall before you finally get to something that works. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I would say that's hard about it. That's think, more of a mentality. I, I think it is ridiculously hard, Jason. You have a. I think it's hard. I mean, I, I I also think it's the type of environment you're in, like, and what you're building. I mean, it, the guys at Thirty Seven Signals, you know, they're like, oh, you know, we give people, you know, people work three hours a day, and they, you know, like, <laughs> I don't. I'm like, really? Yeah. But they make software that has no features. Yeah. So you know, if I made Microsoft Word and and it had seven features, guess what? I would love my job as a programmer, and, and I'd be like, home. yeah, I, this is so great. Programming's easy. But if I'm making financial software, you know, that can't go down, you know, to track, you know, whatever commodities exchanges, or I'm or I'm gig, and I'm trying to track, you know, thousands of votes a second, and my mem caches and this, and mm -hmm. keeping pages up to date, and, and you know, the server or infrastructure. Twitter, that, geez. Or Twitter, yeah. and I have to build, you know, 30 million users' right. news feeds, like, you know, or 100 million users' news feeds. Like, these are very hard computational problems. Dig is sort of, uh, sorry, Twitter is the scale of problem of, like, the phone system 
or like the Visa credit card. Yeah, Facebook with the social bit. graph. It's like I have 5,000 yeah. people on Facebook. When I log in, it takes 90 seconds for me to log in if it works. Right. <laughs> because it's <laughs> true. It's and I talked to Zuckerberg about it. I talked to people about it. They're like, yeah. When you log in, you realize like 18 servers have to go to work. To like, I, 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 When I log into Facebook, I think it – or Scoble does. I, I think it uses like – I think it, we put about 20 pounds of carbon into the area every time we log into Facebook. <laughs> um, but those kind of problems are hard. Yeah, they are definitely. Uh, and they're never ending. Yep. You know, like they're like, let's I'm add more seven surprised features. That you have 5,000 friends. That's surprising. Hey I'm just kidding. I have a lot of friends. You know, the thing is, <laughs> I, I tell you when it, when it changed for me in terms of that was when I was in the competition with Dig. I just pissed off a lot of 14-year-old kids who <laughs> now follow me around the web and are like, I, I used to have like my my aim open and like during that whole time, like my aim would go off every five minutes. Like, why are you trying to get Time Warner to kill Dig? And I was like, who is this? And I was like, how old are you? And it's like a 12-year-old kid. And I'm like, listen, I offered, I got Time Warner to offer a lot of money for Dig. I tried to get Kevin in to get the company bought when, you know, it was yeah. very young. And I offered him a bunch of money for I offered him $4 million for Dig when it was like six months old. Nobody, you know, there's a problem. No entrepreneur will take $4 million for their company. Entrepreneurs are going to take any money for their company. They're right. going to just build. It's like poker yeah. play. They fall in love with a hand. Yep. And they just can't let it go. It's like, I got pocket aces. I'm it's going that, to that. It's necessary because otherwise they would not be an entrepreneur. <laughs> they would not. They have to yes. have that suspensive display that makes them think that their thing is worth $100 million, yeah. or they're never going to get over those first few months. Uh, Zuckerberg believes that he's building the next Microsoft and that he is the next Bill Gates. Yeah. That, he believes oh. that in his heart. And you know what? The Pointcast <laughs> guys believe that too. Good luck with that. Pointcast was that thing that, that they really had Really annoying push minutes. server. Yeah. That, yep. It was uh, a screensaver that showed you news headlines. Basically, it was RSS before RSS. It would download all the news stories and show them in a screensaver. Or in a, it was like an RSS reader. It was, it was pretty cool for yep. a minute. Uh, then people installed it at their offices. Yep. And it downloaded videos and images. And people had like one T1 for their whole company or a DSL right, line right. or something. And the first thing the system uh, did is filter out that shit. And so it was like every hour, let's download everything. Yeah. You know, and, and it would be like, what are you interested in? And it'd be like, check all. I thought for a while that their business model was going to be to sell a server that the companies could put inside the firewall. It was. Uh, and oh. <laughs> also, it was going to be like Lotus Notes. Like, you could also build custom applications into it. So, like, but but think about that business model. That's like nice T one you have there. I hope hope nothing happens to it. I, I have a little service you can buy. Yeah, exactly. You can protect your T one from my buddies. Yeah, it'd be like if, yeah, your BitTorrent. We're gonna we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna have the Pirate Bay local copies of all the top movies on the Pirate Bay in Fog Creek. <laughs> Since everybody that'll, here is robbing save movies, your, your traffic exactly. Um, so I, so I, so he's when, building the next Microsoft. Um, but it's not just that. I think it's even people that have small companies are always going to look at what is actually a, a pretty reasonable valuation for their company. You know, a million dollars a developer or whatever the metric you use is. It depends. I think p selling your company, like, it really depends. Like, Silicon Airport, I got offered money for and I didn't sell. It depends on how emotionally tied you are to it mm -hmm. and also where you're at in life, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and when you're younger, I think sometimes people believe, like, this is the one idea I'm ever going to have, and this is the greatest idea in the world. And then you get a little older, and you're like, I've had like three good ideas. Okay, I'm going to have a fourth and a fifth probably. Right. And, and you didn't even have time to do half of the yeah. good ideas that came up. People who are smart have, you know, a good idea every two weeks. Mm -hmm. You know, I've met people who, you know, have a good idea like three times during dinner. Like mm -hmm. every idea they have is a million dollar idea, and they're not millionaires. And I'm like, why are you not totally like a billionaire by now? These ideas are brilliant, and they just don't. They don't do them. them. I mean, Stack Overflow is an yeah. idea 
it was out there. I mean, the fact that it took so long for somebody to make Stack Overflow, Yahoo Answers, Google Answers, right. stuff's been out for a decade. This actually did blow me away when I when I thought about how often I landed on Experts Exchange as a result of a programming problem right? and just how bad the experience was. It kind of blew me away that programmers who always built stuff for themselves right. had not done this yet. Right. Well, they're too busy because they got clients. They got some boss yeah, like, hey, dude, where's the yeah. thing from last week? Oh, but they're, contrib- they're making open source projects. They made every possible. I mean, somebody made somebody made Mercurial and Git, and yeah. these are just the newest things. Right. Um, but there's a lot of ideas out there. Like, if you think, gee, Stack Overflow is a really brilliant idea, nobody did. Yeah. What are the other 20 brilliant ideas that nobody did? Sure. Just, they're out know. there. Yep. And probably there's 100 people listening who just have this brilliant idea. So like, get out there and do it, and maybe Jason will. Well, you know what the <laughs> thing is? There's no downside risk. That's the thing everybody... Um, forgets if you live in america yeah if you live in america and you start a company and you fail mm-hmm. you close the company you start a new one to, the next day like stack overflow fails you start stacked stacked overflow or you go get a job or you go get a job like what's you the get, downside you go get your risk? own job back your old job back there's no risk yeah I mean, I mean unless you have like some huge mortgage and kids or but generally speaking there's not much risk so one topic i do want to cover before we close the podcast oh, one, yeah. one of your favorite uh and I guess, Jason, you're not blogging anymore. You have this crazy newsletter thing you're doing. Yeah, uh, I went email newsletter. Okay. Well, I, I guess we and then I, I'd love to get into that, but we don't have yeah. time to get into that, sadly. <laughs> I would love to see that information become public, obviously. I'm a big fan of public information. Uh, I'm, yeah, I, I'm putting it on my blog now because too many people complain. <laughs> well, exactly, because I, I want to benefit from so it. So you've right? now done the Dave Weiner loop three times. Yeah, already. I basically have turned into Dave Weiner. I love <laughs> yes. you. I hate you. I love you. No, I think I hate you. <laughs> so... I really appreciate some of the blog entries you've put up. Like, I don't always agree with what you're saying, but I appreciate, like, the honesty and the transparency. And I think that's what I object to is, like, with the email, it's like there's less transparency. It's not really the Jason that I sort of knew and yeah. it's grown to grudgingly like. I, one of your favorite – one of my favorite things you posted was about the craziness of SEO. Yeah. Why people hate SEO and why SMO is bullshit. Right. And I love that, right? Because yeah. every developer knows that this SEO stuff is just kind of snake oil. And for you to say it was yeah. was incredible. And I never was able to follow up because I know a lot of the SEO gurus sort of challenged you and took on this challenge of like yeah. trying to optimize your same Name page and results blah, blah, and all blah, this other stuff. Yeah. And what was the final outcome of all that? Not much. I mean, essentially, this all started because I said at some conference, like they're like, oh, Engadget has the number one ranking for Palm. You know, whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, you're you have a ranking better than Palm itself, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Who's your SEO expert? What are you doing <laughs> you at our so site?" Yeah, and this is like in 2004, and I'm like, I'm like SEO. <laughs> I didn't know what it stood for. I literally didn't know what it stood for. And the guy, I'm like, he's like, "Search engine optimization." I'm like, "Oh, you mean like those guys who call you and want you to give them five thousand a month for 24 months in a locked-in contract?" I said, "That's bullshit. Like, just build great content. It seems to go to the top of the page. You know, if you build good yep. stuff." Yep. And they were like. Oh my god! And I was like, "Why is everybody upset?" They're like, "This is a whole room full of SEOs." <laughs> I was like, "I thought this was a search conference." They're like, "Yeah, that's what search conferences are filled with." And I'm like, "Well, I'm sorry, it's crazy. but but they're actually the against search, right? Because their their goal is to somehow undermine the uh, well. No, I mean they say optimization, and then the good ones are obviously trying to optimize to help you achieve your natural position on the, the Google results. The problem is everybody. There are a thousand people who will make the case that they should be number one mm-hmm. for PHP. Sure. And you guys have a claim to that, and Wikipedia has a claim to that, and O'Reilly, and you know, everybody. And those are just the legit ones. And, and those are just the legit ones. Then little, there's uh, yeah. 10,000 people who are the, you know, 100,000 people illegit- illegitimately trying to get that. So then what happens is Google doesn't know how to do it. So what does Google do? Google's like, 
we're going to get it right like six out of ten times, and the rest of you can fight it out. Well, if it's inefficient and there's these landing pages and all this other stuff going on, guess what? Google makes more money. Mm -hmm. The more inefficient search is, the more imperfect it is, the more money uh, is going to get made because people click on the ads because the ads are then more relevant than some of the bad search results. So you don't think they would hurt their results to improve ad clickage? That's an interesting search. That would be like (laughs) X-Files level. I would never say that because we would probably like – there's some guy on a rooftop over there who's going to shoot and kill all of us and, and shoot the machine that's recording this, co- no, this call. No, because I actually believe, and, I, and I, maybe I'm naive no, I don't here, but I actually would. think that, that when Google says don't be evil, that's specifically what they mean. Yes. Uh, however, um, that specific, that's the a specific form of evil that yes, they wouldn't do. But the inefficiency of search yeah. leads to um, all these people playing the game, buying ads, all this stuff. So it, it does benefit them that the search result isn't perfect so it does lead one to believe that maybe a little inefficiency is good but well, who knows presumably there's somebody in some finance department at google but every time they try to say this let's just not worry about this search inefficiency yeah and they just get shouted down yeah by because larry and sergey are really yeah they're not, not motivated the by that side. yeah no and they're doing so well anyway what do they have to they don't have to no but uh basically the the end result is um they can't tell you how to make a perfect result and how to get that, you know, top 10 ranking, top 20 ranking. And so everybody then goes to the next best thing, which is an SEO. And then the SEO sells them the belief that they actually deserve it. Right. And what I always do is I tell my people and the people who are freelancers for us and people say, oh, you're making landing pages. I always tell them if our page, our topic page, if you will, our search result, human edited, is not better than the top 10 pages in the Google result, don't expect to get ranked. Mm-hmm. But look at the top 10 and figure out a way to make a page that's better than those. So if you look at our 2009 stimulus page, it's probably the best page on the internet for that topic or one of the top three or four. Mm-hmm. And if people spend the time to make a page that's better than everything else in the top 10, then you have a legitimate case for getting in there. But if you're just making thousands of blogs or whatever people are doing, right. you know, they, they, Spam, and, and then Google's going to catch word. you and it's not worth it. So we're, I mean, the reason right. we've done well and the reason why the other blogs did that we did in Weblogs Inc. did well was because it had high-quality content. Mm-hmm. And we were paying people to write high-quality content, therefore it ranked. Right. And if you do that for long enough, the domain name gets... pretty much forget the search engine optimization. You I don't mean, really you probably, have to worry about it. Yeah, you should pay attention to what your URLs look like. You yeah, should there's have the basic... meta tags you should have. That's the blocking and tackling. Right. You should get that right. Like, Get that right to... anyway, but, but that's... But, but a, lot, that's... a lot of sites don't get that right, though. And that's true. People have said, there's yeah. like three questions. Every day there's a new question on Stack Overflow about how does Stack Overflow rank so well in Google? And it's not like something we set out to do. Yeah, I went to know, Google I, and I, I talked to them. Yeah, yes, I, I left an envelope <laughs> next yeah. to the free ice cream machine, the soft ice cream machine with $1,000 in it. Yeah, we're actually, part I think of we're, it's just... Yeah. Doing the doing the right things and, and sort of like Joel was saying, having clean URLs, having like simple page layout, having you know header blocks that make sense. This is all web design one hundred and one. Yeah, but and then the high quality really content about, just totally dominates, though. Yeah, uh, but if you also, really think about updated SEO, though, it's 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 you want a life coach. You're asking these people to be a life coach for you to tell you how can I be awesome? Because if right. you're awesome, people are going to link to you, right? Yeah, it's like so PR how do you companies. Awesome? It's like PR companies. People go to SEO and PR companies to get them to rank them when, in fact, they suck. Yeah. So, like, I never had a PR person. I never had a PR company. Really? No. I mean, uh, I have Tyler, who works with me, who does strategy, and we basically get inbound flow. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll be like, we're in New York. We should go on Joel's thing because he mentioned us a couple of times and he invited us. Yep. And, and that's how we do PR. Right. You know, like, I email I you. that's and how I'm, I do PR, too. Yeah. yeah. And it's authentic. And then there's people who 
have nothing going there, on. There's still there's still value to PR agencies. Like like I've noticed that right. like TechCrunch is never going to cover us because I don't know why, but because nobody's pitching them, we're not going to pitch them. We don't. I'll bother. take I'll take care of that. All right, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, even I, I even remember the days of Silicon. Uh, I worked at Juno Online Services. Yeah, we covered you, Juno big time. Yeah, not that much. Right. Which is which we were happy about at Juno because Silicon Alley Reporter was sort of like the people that had parties in Juno. We thought we were serious. We had, we just had customers. So did you have a fourteen hundred on your SATs? Um, <laughs> you had to, what's your for SATs? This is back in the old days when I, SATs were sixteen hundred. You had to have over twelve hundred to work there, or thirteen hundred. You, you yes, you did have to have. Was uh, it fourteen hundred or twelve hundred? What was I, the cutoff? You I'm, know. I don't. I don't remember there being a specific cutoff. So what was your SATs? <laughs> I'm not done yet. You know, did you I'm get 1,500 on your SATs? Make them tell us. Make them tell us. I'm Come not on. Tell you. Or just tell us the math. I got really out of 800. I, you I, scored I, perfect. Oh, okay. I went well, to, you know we got a perfect t- math. That's a given. I, I, perfect. He's math. always complaining that everybody should have a perfect math score. And yeah, I well, that's so. no on the APs. On the APs, not on the. Yeah. Did you get 800 in math? Yes or no? I, I'm not going to answer. That's any a of these yes questions. or no question. I've been so I honest on this podcast. I was a real nerd in college. And I went to an Ivy League institution, and I Harvard. got a three point nine GPA. Harvard, no, the other one. Yeah, <laughs> and and uh, uh, so that's all I'm going to say. Yes. And now I'm going to have to delete this from the podcast because it's, too it's okay. I'm going to Twitter right now. Joel has got. Why are you so embarrassed? Um, Don't be so self-loathing. It's not. It's not self-loathing. It's, it's a little self-deprecating. Self-deprecating would be, I am a complete nerd. I wasted three I hours did. a day after school in SAT prep class, and all I got for it was fifteen fifty. No, I didn't take SAT prep. Let me tell you something. I, that would um, be self-deprecating. I don't want to talk about the SATs because that was a billion years ago. But in college, I did not know how to not get an A. I hate to say this, but I could not do anything less than the maximum amount of work for a class. Was that because like, you were hardworking to... or because no. you just knew how to navigate the grading system. There was a knob, and I knew how to turn it all the way up and get an A. Uh-huh. I thought that if I turned okay. it down even a little bit, I might get an F, and my life would end. So you had clarity. I and, guess so. And you were neurotic. Yeah, neurotic. That's the that's it. You had neurotic. clarity on how to achieve the goal, and a, and a, and a large amount of neurotic. How well, that makes for a good entrepreneur. Juno, we got into this because Juno Online Services went on yeah. by D.E. Shaw, and D.E. Shaw was notorious for asking for grades and GPAs and stuff. Right. Who was the guy who ran Juno? I remember him. Charles Arday. Yeah, he was a nerd. Now, uh, he was an extreme nerd. He's now a... Uh, a what is mystery he fiction editor or something? Really? He, he has Good his own, him. I think, mystery magazine. Or sweet. Yeah, can't remember he, the details. He did, he did well. But anyway, PR. We were talking about SEO and PR. I think those SEO and PR people, they prey off the fact that people who don't have anything going on, mm-hmm. they're like, we can make you seem hip and cool, and we can make you know your sure. pig into you know this beautiful thing. We're gonna put some lipstick on it, and you're gonna be the hottest company in Web 2.0. And it's like, yeah, mm, your shit still sucks. Some of, yeah, if the st- that's the thing. If the stuff is good, it'll it'll draw an audience anyway. Like we don't exactly. We we got our audience without too much traditional coverage, so to speak. I mean, we got scobling to us once, but but it was really. And in fact, with Stack Overflow, that the whole reason that Jeff and I did it together is we thought this thing needs critical mass. We're both bloggers with a big readership of yeah. programmers. We can get at least the critical mass to get it started. Brilliant. If you guys uh, quantcast it and then put the two sites together as a network, mm-hmm. then people will start. What is Quantcast? I don't even know. Quantcast is like Compete, except they put a you know pick tracking pixel like analytics. Oh. And it will actually rank all the sites in the United States by the actual traffic. And it says quantified or not quantified. Mm-hmm. And it will also put together networks of sites. So people don't know this, but I own Hackaday, because uh, it was one of the blogs we started at Weblogs Inc., but we couldn't sell it to Time Warner, or I wouldn't sell it to Time Warner because they were like, can you take on this post on how to hack your Time Warner cable box? <laughs> so you and kept I was that like, one. 
<laughs> no. And they're like, no, it's sites totally fine. We just can't have any hacking <laughs> of cable modems or modems in general or computers. And I was like, okay, you can't have it. So anyway, that like Mahalo owns that, so it gets a little bit of traffic. Uh-huh. But you can put those two things together and call it the Mahalo network. So you can have the Stack Overflow network, have all three sites bundled right. as one. And right now, you guys would be like the 350th or maybe 500th largest site in the United States. And that's when VCs and going to start paying attention. Hmm. But you guys just stick to your knitting. I mean, you have beautiful software you've built, and it seems like you could roll one of these out every two or three months with a great name, yep. with a great audience, make it perfect, add features slowly, and listen to the community. You're going to have 20 million uniques. I don't think you guys know what you're sitting on right now. Some of us do. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty huge, dude. I mean, it's going to be a very big business. It's, it's got dig-level potential. Uh, except it's going to be in a category that can actually make a lot of money. Yeah, because you have endemic advertisers. I'm not going. I'm never going to be able to get those those blue, yellow Adidas that Kevin Rose can get. I don't. <laughs> you can't are, pull those off. I you tell you, the ones you you're wearing. Shoes. It's too bad this isn't a video podcast because okay. those are pretty sweet. Those uh, Asics. Yeah. But I tried to get the shoes that that Kevin Rose literally got. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I, there was a podcast where he's driving all around San Francisco trying to get them. So. I'm just not going to ever... <laughs> that dude needs to them. get back to work. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> back to, dude. Back to work, Kevin. Yeah. Maybe we'll have him on the show sometime. Kevin's awesome. Uh, Kevin and I are good friends. And people are like, oh my God, you and Kevin Rose. And I was like, Kevin and Rose have been friends since before, like, well, since since like the first week he started Dig. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've known him forever. Where'd you know him from? Well, he he was in LA. I was in LA and he was doing G4, blah, blah, blah. Oh, uh, right, right. He was an intern or something at G4. He was behind tech, the scenes. Tech TV. Right, Tech TV. But he would come on like, as like this little kid from the back room. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. awkward. Like you see these like original videos of him and it's funny. Then I was in London at this future web apps <laughs> thing and he's hosts a dig live. Dignation live. There yeah. when I tell you there's a thousand people in the audience, fifteen hundred people screaming and going crazy. Right. Then afterwards there's we a did, party. We, we did that. We did that at Mix in Las Vegas. Uh-huh. Jeff and we got what? Thirty people? Yeah. <laughs> and they were but they were going crazy. <laughs> these these uh at the after party yeah. For it, they uh, had to put Kevin in a VIP area that was like a square area next to a staircase with a balcony all around it. And there's literally like hundreds of kids wow. leaning over the balcony, <laughs> like handing their iPhones to Kevin yeah. with like Sharpie pens to get him to autograph their iPhones or <laughs> handing down their MacBook Air. And I'm like, dude, this is like the Beatles or something. But they're boys. Well, yeah, that kind of does make it strange. <laughs> that is a little strange. No, but they were girls too. I mean, they were. He, there has, are, he does have a. Uh, he signs breastuses. Wow. I, wow. I've, Women we're not at that level yet, Joel. we got to get there. Gotta well, get I was going to ask if Joel would sign, sign my breasts. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's, that's it. it. You're cut that's off. a show. That's a show. That's, that's ending the podcast. That's the, a podcast that's ender. Uh, Jump the shark. <laughs> uh, to, our, to our listeners, if you have any questions for a future edition of this show, uh, please call our podcast hotline, 646-826-3879, or email an mp3 to podcast.stackoflow.com. There's also a transcript page where you can write up transcripts of this page dedicated volunteers around the world type all this crap in for the hearing impaired and that's going to be linked to from the show notes which as always are at blog.stackoverflow.com see you next week see you next week thanks uh thanks for being on jason that was fun uh it was good I had to be a little mean to you because Joel's being way too nice. I think it's because he's right there. He can't be yeah, mean. Joel's a nice It turns out Joel's a nice guy. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Sorry, so I, I had to be the bad guy because nobody yeah. was being the bad guy. Conflict equals drama equals writings.
You've been listening to Stack Overflow with Jeff Atwood and Joel Spolsky. The Conversations Network is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we need your help. For a tax-deductible donation of as little as $5 per month, you can support this channel and the rest of the Conversations Network. So please visit conversationsnetwork.org to become a member and help us continue to bring our programs to the world for free. Our audio files are delivered by Limelight Networks, the high-performance content delivery network for digital media. The post-production audio engineer for this program was Joel Spolsky. Our website editor was Jeff Atwood. The series producer is Jeff Atwood. This is Phil Windley. I hope you'll join me next time for another great presentation from Stack Overflow here on IT Conversations.